Hello and welcome to a bit of an FA Cup special NL full time. Uh, we do, of course, have seven matches in the north and south of the National Leagues to uh, round up as well for you. But uh, the world's best cup competition has now reached the second round proper. And uh, I think there's a good chance of there being double figures non-league sides in the second round. Um, we've got just the person to confirm that joining us. I'll introduce him in a moment. But um, first up is uh, NL full-time regular joining us from Off The Line blog, Joe Pope. Good afternoon, Joe. We're, we're talking on Sunday afternoon, I should tell the listeners. Yeah, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, uh... And uh, it's not, I didn't have any invested interest in the FA Cup this week, but uh, I was able to watch it all unfold um, and how exciting it was, as we'll come on to. Uh, absolutely. Whilst your own team were concentrating on the league, as they say, and doing OK. Um, and uh, our other regular course uh, from Telford United Media. Oh, wow, I'm in trouble now. Sorry, <laughs> AFC... Give me the correct name, Dickie. Dickie no, no, that's fine. That's fine. No, it's a hi, Rob. No, it's good to see you. No, I, I think we're. I, I think people know who we are from either name. To be honest, I think there might be a few sticklers out there for the AFC. But similarly, we have a few fans who, who I think would prefer that if we could drop it now. But uh, yeah, that's what we are for the moment. Absolutely. Oh, welcome back, Dickie. Good to have you on as always. And uh, returning for the second time in three weeks, he's had. A few things going on in the meantime, uh, one of which at least was spending a little bit of time tasting hospital food, wasn't it? Phil Annette's Mr. FA Cup Factfile. Uh, welcome back, Phil. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing uh, very well. Thank you, guys, uh, given the circumstances and uh, glad to be back talking to you guys about the FA Cup again. Good stuff. Phil, I know I asked you to have a look before you came on and I know you won't have let me down. <laughs> How are we doing? We've got one game... Uh, still underway involving a National League side and a non-league side involved later on, Crave Valley. Um, but to, where are we at with uh, non-league numbers of teams definitely involved or potentially still involved in the second round? Uh, yeah, we're, we're not doing too bad. We're, we're about on par with what we'd normally get uh, into the second round. Um, National League is potentially slightly on the lower side than it would normally be. Um, they're the ones that normally bring up the numbers. Um, but as I said, we've got three three clubs still involved who are um, not in the National League, so below that level, uh, one of which is already through, and uh, one with a replay and one still to play their first game. So, yeah, we're, we're going to be double figures. Um, but I think the National League, unless unless the final games to be played all go in their favour, maybe I'll be slightly lower than the usual amount. They normally get about 10 into the next round. But, yeah, uh, and one of the re one of the reasons for that, I'm sure, as we uh, unravel uh, the weekend's FA Cup first round games, one of the reasons for that was there was a, a fair few National League sides pitted against Football League sides, and uh, on the whole, the EFL sides came out on top, but not in all cases. Um, without doubt, the biggest scalp taken is that of League One High Flyers Portsmouth who, if my numbers are correctly, travelled to non, uh, National League leaders Chesterfield uh, this afternoon, in fact, unbeaten in 26 matches since March. That's an eight-month run. Uh, of course, includes every game they've played in League One this season. 
they took on Chesterfield and uh, Joe coming to you on this one. Don't know if you managed to uh, catch any of the game. I've certainly seen the goal. There was only one. It went to the uh, rather prolific, I think we can use the word, Tom Naylor, a header from a free kick. And Chesterfield got it done without much fuss at all. No, especially given how Portsmouth have been so good this year and they've always managed to find a way to win games or at least get something from them if it doesn't look like they're going to win them. Um, it was fairly comfortable for, for Chesterfield. And if you were going to write storylines, then Paul Cook uh, ending Portsmouth's unbeaten run and a goal from a former Portsmouth midfielder uh, was certainly uh, right, as uh, people would have probably uh, expected. Um, as you said, a goal from from Tom Naylor, uh, and there were a couple of ex-Pompey uh, players as well, other than that, in the uh, Chesterfield side. And, yeah, I mean, you know, Chesterfield top of their league, Portsmouth uh, near the top of theirs, and, uh, yeah, a really good game in Chesterfield go through. Phil, just coming to you on this one, of course, you know, both sides really leading the way in their divisions. And if you, if you, if you didn't think about what club leagues they were in, you'd think Chesterfield and Portsmouth is is a game that over the years could have been a league match, couldn't it? Um, what was your take on that one and anything stand out for you? And and was it the biggest uh, jump in scalp taken by any National League side this weekend? Um, was it the biggest gap? I don't, yeah, I guess it must be, yes. Yeah, two divisions, had, uh, yeah. We've only had two National League sides, I think, so far managed to cause uh, an upset. And uh, so, yeah, um, two whole divisions apart. Um, I thought Portsmouth was very lacklustre. Didn't look like they had much interest in 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 the game at all. Really, they hardly had an attack or anything of note. Um, made it very straightforward for Chesterfield. Um, it's good for Chesterfield. It's the first time in three attempts they've beaten Portsmouth in the FA Cup. Um, so I think that's nice for them. <laughs> quite quite interestingly, from Stato's like me, the first time the two clubs met was in a in a round of the FA Cup that no not many people would know about back in the early. 20th century, it was called the intermediate round. And it sort of sat between the final qualifying round and the first round proper for two or three seasons. And Portsmouth and Chesterfield did meet back in the day in that round. So that's quite a quirk, quirky little uh, fact about that time. And I don't want to pour, I don't want to say anything really negative about Chesterfield on a day that they've um, made such a great achievement. But can somebody at Chesterfield tap Paul Cook on the shoulder? And tell him that the conference is called the National League these days. He's done a post-match interview and three times called it the conference. Come on, Paul, get with it. Uh, Spy rights, get on his case until he starts calling it the National League. Um, Dickie, you might be able to help me on this one. What, something like 2016 or 17 or something, wasn't it, when it changed over? Uh, I'm not sure. It's been a little while now, um, I have to say. He's not the only person that, that still calls it the conference. Um, I don't think anybody calls it the Leon's Premier League anymore, so that's progress at least. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I did I watched Paul Paul Cook's interview afterwards. I uh, thought it was very interesting that they put to him, you know, that Wrexham had this uh, dual promotion charge last year alongside a good FA Cup run and said, you know, do you, do you, would you want to do the same? Um, and he just said flatly, no, I like to concentrate on one competition at a time. So uh, it, interesting, you know, you know, they've got a, um, a tie against Lake Orient coming up in the next round, which 
you know, given who they've beaten today and the way in which they've did it, I don't think they should have any fears about facing anybody in the second round. And and they've been to the third round for the last two years in a row. So I think there's every chance of them making them making it a hat trick. And that would be an interesting one for Phil. Non-league sides who've made the third round three years in a row. I don't know how many of them there'd be. And I, I'm not expecting you to know straight well, for, <laughs> Phil, because I've sprung that one on you. But, well, there aren't uh, many. There aren't many to be fair. But Boreham would have done it in in recent years, the last three seasons before this one. That's a good example um, of its uh, of its achievement. Again, it sort yeah. of like speaks of that closing the gap between the divisions, doesn't it? It certainly does. And uh, Dickie, you you you've uh, prompted me to a good point here as we go through the review of the first round. Of course, an hour or so before we've recorded this uh, podcast, the, the the draw's been done for the second round. So you can be our official go to man, Dickie, for who t- teams that have progressed have got. In the next round. Okay. Well, Phil alluded to this, and I can't ignore it any longer. There's one of the National League side that has taken an EFL scalp. And uh, I don't think many people predicted this one uh, 24 hours ago. But uh, nevertheless, um, Aldershot Town came through. Uh, They were drawn away to Swindon, who just a couple of weeks ago sat sixth in League Two. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to be there, and um, I, I don't really know where to start with it, chaps. I mean, I'm going to throw to you, Phil, because I know there were at least one record broken and one record equaled uh, in that tie. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you, you will know what happened. Um, Aldershot ridiculously scored three times in the first 10 minutes. They increased the lead to 4-0 just before half-time. They had the bare-faced cheek to come out and score five, six and seven at the start of the second half before promptly reaching for the finish line (laughs) about 20 minutes early, throwing on a load of subs and leaving the back door open, in which time Swindon, to their credit, um, chalked four goals up themselves. It ended up 7-4. Phil... Talk to us about the records that were broken and nearly broken in that one. Well, it was amazing because um, it was just every time every goal went in, I had to go and check what was going on and whether we were going to be getting some fantastic new FA Cup stats after 150 odd years. Um, and when it, you know, 7-0 would have been the uh, biggest ever victory by a non-league side over a football league opponent, home or away. Um, the current record is 7-1. In fact, um, back in the 1905-06 season, when Crystal Palace and Chelsea were both um, formed and one was put in the league, Chelsea, and one was put in Southern League, Crystal Palace. But when they met in the Cup, it happened to be on a league fixture weekend. And so Chelsea played their reserves and ended up losing 7-1. But uh, the record that uh, also did seem to look like they were going to get was the biggest away win uh, by a non-league side over a football league club which currently stands at 6-1 um, by uh, Boston United, who beat uh, Derby County back in the mid-50s. Um, but as the, as the Swindon sort of comeback goals went in, uh, that record soon dissipated too. But they do end up with one uh, first-time record, first, the first non-league club to score seven goals away at Football League opposition in the FA Cup in its 152-year history. It's pretty phenomenal. And that stat on Twitter has, uh, has captured a lot of imagination and been shared far and wide. 
interestingly for me, it's a, it's the first 7-4 away victory in the proper rounds of the competition for 140 years. And that, wow. was, pre, that was pre-Football League. So it's really the first one since we've had qualifying to have a team win 7-4 away from home. Uh, just, just phenomenal. It was a truly surreal day. I think we've all been at football matches, gents, where there's been a great moment or two, you know, but the amount of moments that came in this game are just phenomenal, really. Um, 1,278 Aldershot Town supporters were delirious. Um, Fantastic celebrations at the end with the side. I'm not saying everybody pretended Aldershot hadn't conceded four goals, but it didn't matter. The game was done. Uh, Tommy Widrington afterwards said, I just wanted to throw as many players as I could on to get a little bit of that experience. Um, Credit to Dan Kemp, who's a fantastic player, a young young ex-Liverpool youth um, who scored two lovely goals, and to Charlie Austin, who, you know, he did to Aldershot what what he's been doing to Premier League teams for years. But... um, it was uh, quite incredible. Um, we're recording this podcast on the Sunday afternoon. I, I, I do happen to know, and I don't think the pod, the pod will be out by then, but Tommy Widrington's going to appear on Match of the Day this evening, BBC 3, 8pm, and um, BBC 2, 11.30pm. It's quite phenomenal. Joe, I want to come to you for your thoughts very shortly. But um, Jack Barham got a hat-trick in the game and he did a lot of media afterwards, most of which those who want to hear it will have heard. But um, some hour and a half after the game, I happened by some complete coincidence, having missed at least four trains from Swindon to Paddington, just by the sheer delay of getting out of the ground. Um, I happened to walk onto the platform at the same time as Aldershot Town's Swiss striker, Lauren Tollage. And um, we had a little chat, really, between the carriages um, on just what an amazing afternoon it was. Yeah, that was a special day for us, for Aldershot to win against Sweden Town and also like happy to score two goals and help the team to win 7-4. It was an incredible start, wasn't it? Jack scored in the first minute and by nine minutes, I think it was 3-0. I mean, what's going through your head at this stage? Just stay calm or? Yeah, to be fair, <clears throat> that was crazy to score like three goals. Like out of like 10 minutes uh, but we keep it calm like we wanted like again and again every time and uh, some days some days like every shots like go in so yeah it settled down a bit then Swindon had a lot of the ball for the middle part of the first half but then towards the end of the first half Aldershot came again and you came again and you were denied two or three times weren't you with uh, good saves maybe hitting the post and then finally your moment came in added time in the first half. Just tell us about your first goal today. <clears throat> that was, <clears throat> yeah, I had like a few chances, uh, but the keeper makes some good save and maybe uh, I should do a bit better, but uh, I scored at the end of the first half and uh, I was yeah, very like happy, you know, and we were like four nil up, I think, uh, half the first half. And uh, yeah. So I don't know which is more amazing, really, the fact that Aldershot were 4-0 up at half-time or the fact that by the hour mark, it was 7-0. And somewhere in that, I don't know if it was the sixth or the seventh, but you scored what, for me, was the goal of the game. We know your left foot's strong, but the way the ball sat for you, you decided to have a go with your right foot. That was a pretty special strike, wasn't it? 
<clears throat> yeah, that was a very nice strike. Um, to be fair, the last couple of games, uh, I didn't really like trust my right foot, and uh, I don't know why because I've got a decent right foot. And mm. I was talking with my dad, and uh, before the game, and I said like I feel I will score with my right foot, and my dad just told me like yeah, just go on your right because people know like you're left footed, and just trust your right and you're going to score with your right foot. So, but that's what I did, and what a strike! Is this your first real experience in the FA Cup? Uh, yeah, that was my first, uh, like, really, like, playing games and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, to be fair, like, all, uh, two games against Lewis and against Sweden, score five goals in two games, really, like, happy for the team, you know, to win games and happy also for myself to have scored. And growing up in um, Switzerland, uh, without being arrogant from an English point of view, it's worldwide known, isn't it? The FA Cup is a special competition. Yeah, that's the best cup you can play in England, I think, the FA Cup. Um, so that's why like makes my day like even better, you know. And that's almost better like to score in the FA Cup than to score in league games. And against like a fourth division against Swindon Town, like that's a really good team and to score two. Yeah, it's very, very amazing. Just a final word, obviously you took the decision, you took a gamble, a brave gamble to drop down to the National League to try and ignite your career um, and you just look as if you're loving your football here. Yeah, <clears throat> like, um, yeah, Aldershot, I really like this, this club and I also like the manager, you know, and all the staff because they trust me and I can feel it like I'm important for the team and that's why it makes me like even like better and I want to, to show them and to give them uh, my best out of me and yeah like I'm really happy you know here and yeah I just want to keep going to keep going winning games and help the Aldershot to go as high as they can. And Joe that was Lauren Tollage. Um, there are other players of course but he is one of the components of a quite incredible three-pronged attack that is starting to make people sit up and take notice at Aldershot Town. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, it was a fantastic goal for, for Tolaj, a brilliant uh, volley from the edge of the area. That was sort of the, the pick of the seven goals. Um, and it's testament to Aldershot and their recruitment team. You know, the, the the three, as you said, three-pronged attack. Tolaj never scored a professional goal before this. Um, and he's already got uh, quite a few goals for, for Aldershot. I think it's seven in 18 uh, now for them. Um, Josh Stokes plucked from non-league as well from FC Sudbury. Um, obviously, he got on the score sheet yesterday. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just a brilliant, uh, brilliant win. Um, one thing that Tommy Whittington will perhaps have in the back of his mind is that of all the games, they then go and score seven. That will put a couple more noughts on the end of Tolaj and Stokes' price tag um, as Rob gives a wry smile. Um, and, uh, yeah, certainly uh, the spotlight will be on them now. And I don't want to catch you on the hop here, Phil, but uh, Tolaj now um, hadn't played in the FA Cup before. He's now played in two games and scored five goals. Um, do you happen to know um, who the top scorer in the FA Cup is at this point and how many goals he's got at the moment? I can't remember the guy's name. It's a, it's a member of the non-league team, uh, Pickles Way Town, I think. He's scored nine or ten Um so I'm, I, it's not, I don't have it to hand on face, so I can't tell you that. But the, 
the uh, I think um, the longer Aldershot go in uh, in a competition with another home tie in the next round, the more chance he's got of uh, getting close to that tally. And just to finish off on that one, Dickie, um, the draw threw up what for Aldershot Town? Well, they've got a home tie out of it, um, and they're going to face Stockport County uh, in the second round. Of course, that was a a National League fixture until not long ago. Um, Stockport progressed into EFL now and and are doing tremendously at the top of uh, Division Two. So it's going to be a, a a tough one for Aldershot. But you know, having gone away from home and scored seven to a team in the same division, um, I, I would think that you know they should go into that with no fear. Yeah, Stockport County, of course, sitting top of League Two at the moment. I think while Shots fans will say, well, give anybody a game at home, but obviously it'll be tough against Stockport. Stockport County fans might look at it slightly differently because those with um, that have been supporting the Hatters for a number of years will know that Aldershot has been a little bit of a bogey side for Stockport at the EBB. And I'm pretty sure that the last time Stockport came to the EBB. They did win, but I think it might have been the first time they'd won and they'd had several defeats before that. All right, well, let's move on now to see how some of the other National League sides did in the FA Cup first round. Now, we have to throw to a negative here um, because perhaps the biggest non-league scalp taken, or National League, sorry, scalp taken uh, on Saturday, it was, by a lower league club, was that of... uh, Woking, wasn't it, um, Phil, um, who succumbed to Ramsgate? Tell us about that one and what level Ramsgate play at. Yeah, it was a, it was a big shot, particularly after Woking had taken the lead. Um, there's three league divisions between the two sides, so you know that is a major cup set at any part of the competition where level eight will be a level five side. And uh, for Ramsgate, it's absolutely fabulous for them because they've never made it to the second round before. This is their 71st FA Cup campaign and so they'll be dreaming of uh, getting big exposure for the second round um, highly likely to be the lowest ranked team there is one other level 8 side still to play this afternoon and you never know they may still get through but right now they're flying the flag for that level of football and uh, yeah very big shock given as I said that working had gone ahead and Dickie, quickly to you before we throw to Joe on this one. Ramsgate were the last team out of the draw, weren't they? And who did they get? They were indeed. Um, they go away from home, uh, obviously, by, by virtue of being the last ball out of the bag. And they go to uh, AFC Wimbledon in round two, which, you know, it, it is a tough one. But I would think that, that you know, the, the kind of reception they'll receive at Wimbledon, given their origins, uh, would be a good one. You know, there'll, there'll be a lot of respect between those two, I would have thought. And Joe, coming to you really from a Woking point of view, um, I've seen a little bit of social media. It's been a mad kind of 24 hours, but I've seen a little bit of social media and um, there's quite a lot of knives out for Darren Saul right now. Yeah, I think, you know, given the backing that he had in the summer um, and how well they did last season, uh, a couple of their fans, or certainly a large proportion of their fans, expected them to do better. Um, and that even, you know, even though it's the FA Cup and there's no certainties in the FA Cup, they would have expected to win that one yesterday, especially the fact that they took the lead in that game. Um, so, yeah, I certainly think Darren Sarr's under a bit of pressure um, at the moment. Obviously, he has had lots of injuries, but uh, that that's a, a blow for, for him. And uh, they've got to bounce back quite quickly in the league. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, not a great day at all for the Cards. Um, well, on Saturday's games anyway, there were just two games that went to replays. Uh, York and Chester will have to do it all again. Um, a little bit of deja vu for York, who drew nil-nil in the last round and then had to go to Needham Market and get it done. On this occasion, their replay will be at the LNER Community Stadium. Um, and uh, a, a nice little northern battle between a National League side and a National League North side there, uh, Dickie. Um, York will fancy coming through that on the replay, do you think? You would think so, um, although they did find it, well, you know, said so they found it very difficult to get past Needham Market in the previous round. Uh, and given the form that Chester in at the moment, which I think it had been six consecutive wins going into today or, or yesterday. So um, that run hasn't continued exactly, but, you know, a, a, a draw against York is a, is a really positive result. I would think Callum McIntyre's side will certainly fancy their chances there. And York's home performance it can be a little bit flaky at times so I don't think Chester out of that tie by any means absolutely not Scarborough led against league two strugglers uh, Forest Green until the 90th minute and so they came close to uh, what would have been a fantastic scout uh, they couldn't quite get over the line one more game that's gone to a replay to talk about in just a moment but Phil before we go too much further in it Anything from those last three games involving uh, Woken, of course, going out to Ramsgate, York and Chester and Scarborough and Forest Green uh, in terms of uh, interesting moments or stats? Well, just a couple of the teams where they've still got a chance to create FA Cup history for the club. So Chester and their current guys have uh, best run to the second round and that's uh, quite a while since they, they made the second round last time. So we'll be looking to match that. And Scarborough, Athletic already on a record run for that current incarnation. So anything that they do in the competition that will uh, be posted as a, a new club record run and uh, they'll be looking eyes on the prize of what the former Scarborough club did. I think they got to the fourth round uh, in the past. So they may be looking for that um, uh, to get an unlikely win. And, and Forest Green Rovers, obviously struggling in their division. So that, guy, that tie is definitely still in the balance for me. Yeah, and that was going to be it for ties that have gone to replays. But I can tell you, listeners, that as we're recording this, Sloughtown have got themselves the draw against Grimsby. That game has finished. It ended one all. A little bit of disappointment in the end for Slough because they did take the lead. And uh, it's such a shame because regular listeners will know he's a friend of the podcast. He's probably showering right now, so we're not going to get hold of him in time. But Scotty Davis himself... The player, the manager, and the one who has uh, fired him to a replay, Joe, um, up at Blundell Park. Uh, what what a proud afternoon it must be for Scotty. Absolutely. Um, you know, they took higher league opposition scalp in the last round by beating Ebbsfleet. Um, so for them to take Grimsby, uh, even, you know, even though Grimsbury in poor for themselves, for them to get a, a draw and to take them back to uh, a, a replay in Grimsby is a really, really... A uh, good result for for them, and obviously a goal for for Scotty himself. Uh, so that'll be a nice little carrot for him. Absolutely. If uh, if if it's anything like most of his goals, Scotty, it'll be a screamer or a worldie. I've not seen it yet, but uh, he he doesn't really do tap ins. To be honest, he's not normally at the far post to to tap one in from a couple it of feet. A, so. 
it was a uh, brilliant free kick. It says in the report from miles out um, in uh, typical Scotty Davis fashion, uh, brilliant free kick. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Well done, Scotty. If you get to listen to this podcast, I'm sure you're going to have a mad 24 hours or 48 hours after this one, preparing for uh, a battle initially back up at Blundell Park. But were they to do the unthinkable and come through that tie, Dickey? Um, I have a feeling if I remember the uh, draw correctly, they wouldn't have too far to travel in the next round. It'll be a trip to Oxford United. So, uh, yeah, Oxford and Slough, not an awful lot of mileage involved there. Um, and, yeah, very appealing tie if they can get through. Although Oxford going exceptionally well in, in League One at the moment, so it would be tough. Um, but, you know, again, if you get past Grimsby, if you get past a league side, that would be the second side from a, a higher tier that they'd knocked out two rounds in a row. So why why wouldn't you go there feeling confident? Yeah, interesting times at Grimsby. Of course, they were in our National League not too long ago and they've recently said goodbye to the manager, haven't they, Joe, who uh, who got them out of the uh, National League and back into the Football League? Yeah, they're on the search for a new manager. Um, obviously, a manager that uh, masterminded Grimsby to some FA Cup uh, heroics of themselves last year. Um, but uh, yeah, they're on the lookout for a new manager. Just a quick point on uh, Scotty Davis's and Slough. If uh, uh, Slough can get through the replay against Grimsby, then uh, Scott Davis will be up going up against his old side, uh, played for Oxford United in 2013. So uh, nice little tie potentially for them. Oh, good. I'm glad you went with that sort of approach and didn't come out with Slough's record in the cup because that's why we got Phil Annette's on with us. Um, I know you'll have prepped, you know, even prior to these games um, for the games that were coming up, Phil. What's their, what's their FA Cup record like, Slough? Have they been this far many times? Slough actually hold a distinct FA Cup record. They have the uh, most second round appearances without ever going further in the competition. So wow. they, they have appeared in the second round eight times mm. and unfortunately have uh, failed to progress in any of those uh, ties. So this would obviously be a ninth time and would extend that record if they're able to get past Grimsby. And then uh, a, a tough trip to Oxford to try and create more history for themselves. But there's a lot of uh, football to be played before we get to that point. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on now to FA Cup battles between National League sides. Um, Yeovil who are leading the way in the National League South, uh, took on Gateshead, who have been flying in the National League until recently when they lost their manager, Mike Williamson. That was a cracking game, Joe. And also coming to you um, with your thoughts on Eastleigh against Borehamwood, who met for the third year running in the FA Cup. A quite incredible stat that I think everybody knows now, Phil. Um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, Eastleigh came through with flying colours in that one. Just give us a quick round-up of those two games, Joe. Yeah, well, um, Yeovil Gateshead, um, that was one where I potentially thought there could be an upset. Um, watch Yeovil a lot of times this season, and they are operating at National League level, even though they are in the South. And, um, yeah, they made a really fast start, 2-0 up inside half an hour, uh, goal up inside three minutes. Uh, they took the lead, uh, funny enough, against South End in the opening minute in the previous round. So uh, they like to make a fast start in the competition. Um, and they were actually 3 0 in front. Reese Murphy getting the second uh, before a double from Marcus Denanga, the first of which came through a penalty for another piece of shocking refereeing. Um, it has to be said uh, for them. Um, 
And uh, interim manager Rob Elliott said he's going to refund every fan that came down uh, for uh, that game uh, because he was really disappointed with their performance. But Yeovil march on uh, and they've got a mouthwatering time in the next one uh, away to Wrexham. Uh, I believe. So uh, that'll be uh, an interesting one. Uh, obviously, they're the team against who they, uh, their relegation was confirmed last year uh, to the National League South uh, defeat to them. Uh, and as for Eastleigh and Bournemouth, uh, Bournemouth would be sick of the sight of Eastleigh uh, now. Uh, 5-1 win for Eastleigh. Uh, Bournemouth are struggling in the league, but it was uh, Eastleigh that managed to get through that one fairly easy. A uh, couple of goals in the first half, Nigel Atangana uh, and Chris Maguire uh, and defender Ludwig Francelet. Uh, Bournemouth did manage to actually level the game through Matt Robinson, but uh, EC were so comfortable that they could survive getting a man sent off with 20 minutes to play and still progress uh, fairly easy. Um, so, yeah, they're through to the uh, the second round. Yeah, and uh, I don't want to do a bit too much of an off-the-line blog on this one, but I tell you what, when they start putting National League teams of the season together, it's going to be very hard to leave Chris Maguire out. He has been superb. On those last two games, Phil, any uh, any key stats from you on Yeovil against Gateshead and Eastleigh and Borehamwood? Well, for Yeovil, um, this already was a record-breaking round because they were in the first round for the 53rd time as a non-league side, which is a competition record. And they currently hold the record also of uh, the non-league side that has beaten the most football league sides in the FA Cup. So they have a chance, obviously, now to try and extend that record. Um, a tough one, though, away at Wrexham. Uh, for Eastleigh and Bourne Wood, as we know, third time they met in consecutive seasons. The first time ever two non-league sides have done that in terms of meeting in the first round. Uh, so first time for Eastleigh to beat Bourne Wood. Uh, third time lucky, I guess. Um the key for them, I guess, is the continuation of their cut run into the second round for the first time in four years. Great stuff, as ever there, Phil. Uh, a reminder to our listeners that if you want to see more of Phil's stuff, you can find him uh, online, via Twitter or whatever. It's all under FA Cup Fact File. Quick roundup from me as we're close to ending this uh, section on the FA Cup, but... Uh, it was North versus South as uh, Alfreton took on Worthing and the North prevailed in that one. Um, quick word from you on that one, Dickie. Yeah, um, uh, I have to admit this is one I looked at and, and found. Um, I, I didn't know where to, to nail my colours on this one. Obviously, being somebody who covers the North, um, I'm pleased to see Alfreton Town progress. Um, and they were aided by an absolutely Cracking goal from Nathan Newell, if you should happen to see that one. Definitely worth catching up with. Um, just left foot um, into the top corner, a beauty. And then they rounded it off with about three minutes to go with a goal from Kennedy Diggy, their defender as well. Um, that'd be disappointing for Worthing. I don't know um, what their record is like in terms of making progress. But I think Alfreton last made this far in the competition in 2012, I, I saw. So uh, some some long overdue cup cheer for Alfreton. Well, this is and, the furthest they've ever gone as well. So they've equaled their best FA Cup run by them. Well, well done, Alfreton. And Joe, just very quickly, uh, as our Southern correspondent, you have the right of reply on this one. 
Yeah, um, I just wanted to give a little mention to Worthing's owner, George Dowell. Um, he had a, uh, people may have seen that he had a choice yesterday whether to go and support Worthing in their FA Cup tie against Alfreton or watch it from uh, the hospital bed as his partner gave birth yesterday. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, not a good day for his team on the pitch, but hopefully uh, a better day for his uh, closer team off it. What, Absolutely. One of, of them delivered anyway. Yeah, <laughs> very good, Dickie. That's why Dickie's here, listeners. Right, Barnet that's the only reason had, I'm here. Yeah, Barnet had Connor Stevens sent off just before half time, uh, but still managed to hold on with a clean sheet after Nicky Kabamba's 15th minute goal had put them ahead. His 13th goal of the season in all competitions, uh, and my pick for the top scorer in the National League this year. <clears throat> And Joe doesn't like it, but we're counting FA Cup goals as well. Uh, finally, in terms of wins for National League teams, uh, Maidstone backed up their excellent league form with a 2-0 win at Chesham. And uh, Maidstone listeners, uh, I have reached out now to George Ellacobi. George, you have been summoned. You need to come on the podcast in the next few weeks to talk about what a wonderful job you are doing. Um, finally, rounding up the uh, FA Cup, six National League sides lost to EFL opposition. AFC Fylde came the closest, losing 2-1 at Sutton. All the others, Solihull, Bromley, Hereford, Oldham and Maidenhead, lost by two goals or more against EFL opposition. And sadly, Kidderminster, who had a great record, didn't they, a couple of years ago in the FA Cup, despite taking the lead, have gone out this afternoon 2-1 at home to Fleetwood. Phil, anything else from you before we say cheerio? Yes, so there's a, there's a couple of notable stats for uh, two of the sides that were knocked out uh, in the FA Cup in the first round. Um, Maidenhead United, as, as it's well documented, it's 137 years since they last made it beyond the first round. And in fact, they've now had 15 first round appearances in that time of failing to get through. And uh, I had thought that might be a joint competition record uh, for most consecutive, in inverted commas, uh, first-round knockouts. But then I checked on Bromley, who uh, last made the second round in 1945-46, and they themselves have had 17 first-round ties since then to try and get back into the second round. So two clubs there with two long, unwanted records, and uh, I guess keen and desperate to make it through to the second round of the FA Cup again. Maidstone United, with their win, actually have got back to the second round and that is the best that they've done in the competition, the current guys. And if they're going to beat that uh, Dickie, Maidstone, and get further than they've ever got before, who are they going to have to do it against? Well, they've got a home tie at least, which is something. Uh, they've got Barrow, so the uh, uh, Pete Wild side have got to make a really long trip down from uh, Cumbria to Kent. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of the television ties based on, uh, um, well, the distance involved. <laughs> I don't think you get too many fans to be making that uh, that journey if that game happens to be on a Friday evening or anything like that. But uh, yeah, that looks like one of the ones uh, that, that the possible standouts for me when it comes to picking TV games. Yeah, and I've seen something on Twitter already from my BBC uh, commentary colleague, Adam Johnson, who's been moaning the fact that Barrow have got another away game and he's got he's got uh, another long away trip. But it's OK. BBC Cumbria have got the money. They'll put him up in a hotel for the night, Adam. You'll be having a pint or two on the BBC for that one, I'm sure. 
Um, and Joe, just uh, flipping back to Maidstone, of course, uh, one of their goal scorers uh, is, is in a rich vein of form, isn't he? Absolutely. Um, and I think Maidstone fans will feel that it's a bit of deja vu so far in the FA Cup. Uh, the first third qualifying round, they won 2-0 against Winchester and Levi Amanchi scored both goals. The fourth, follow, the fourth qualifying round, they won 2-0 and Levi Amanchi scored both goals. And on Saturday, they won 2-0 away from home and Levi Amanchi got on the score sheet again. Uh, so uh, five goals already for him in the competition and uh, he's uh, really in good form this season and what a find he's been from from George Elikobi. OK, Phil, thank you very much for joining us again and, uh, you know, while there's still National League life in the FA Cup, we'll keep reeling you back in when we can. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm always very happy to come talk to you guys and uh, the longer that lasts uh, the better for me because it means that we've got some exciting non-league involvement in the FA Cup as it goes on Good stuff and um, I know that uh, you'll probably be inundated with offers of games to go to in the FA Cup but uh, I first met you I think probably about five years ago now where you came and joined me for a shot game and, you, and you're very welcome to do so again so if 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 you don't get the other invites, there's there you go. There's one to beat. Uh, all the shot against Stockport County, and uh, I, I shan't be offended at all if you get a better offer. Well, I do remember getting absolutely soaked to the skin when I last came down all the shots. So uh, I'll be keeping an eye on the weather before I commit. All the best to you, Phil. Stay in good health. Yeah. Cheers, Rob. Cheers, Joe and Richard. Good to talk to you both. If you see somebody showing any of the signs of a stroke, you don't have to think about it. You just dial nine nine nine. Use the fast test. F. Face. Has their face fallen on one side? Can they smile? A. Arms. Can they raise both arms and keep them there? S. Speech. Is their speech slurred? T. Time. Time to call 999 if you see any one of these signs. Act fast. Make the call. Dial 999. There was just one National League game on Saturday and it was a huge opportunity for Mark White's men had they beaten Dagenham and Redbridge at Meadowbank they would have flown up the table from 15th to 10th but they couldn't do it Joe could they um, uh, a really really good three points on the road for the Strevolution and uh, Mr Ineffion uh, out for quite a while, wasn't he? But he's back on the scene now and he seems to be popping up in the goal-scoring charts quite a, a, again already. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't going to be long before he was back on the score sheet, was it? Um, you know, a really, really good striker and uh, they've missed him. Uh, and it's no coincidence that it looks as if their form's picking up a little bit since he's made a return uh, to the team. Uh, Dagenham made a, uh, took the lead in the game uh, through uh, an own goal from Dan Gallagher before uh, Harry Ottaway equalised for Dorking. Um, in the FU, as we talked about, got uh, a goal for Dagenham. He put them back in front uh, just after the half-hour mark uh, before they made sure the, uh, of all three points uh, with uh, a third goal with uh, twenty minutes to, with 10 minutes to play Sorry, uh, through right-back Josh Hare. Uh, he got a goal and, um, yeah, a much-needed win for Dagenham. And for, for Dorkin, it's a bit, bit of a after-the-Lord-Mayor's show. You know, they beat Oldershot last week and then go and lose on home soil to Dagenham. So, uh, yeah, disappointing. And uh, Mark White will be uh, very disappointed that they, they couldn't follow up their really good win against uh, against Oldershot. 
Yeah, absolutely. He was disappointed on Saturday, but also realistic about where they are at the moment, Dorking. Um, they managed to get a decent 11 out, but again, in that 11, there were players that haven't got much match fitness and they managed to pull it off in the high of the relatively local game against Aldershot the week before. But uh, uh, I say full credit to Ben Strevens' side, who very definitely needed the points that they picked up at Meadowbank on Saturday. Dickie, uh, you always keep a close eye on the National League North and it's always a, a bit of an odd one, isn't it, when kind of maybe half of the the, the, the games are, are played and, and some sides lose ground. Others take a, a massive opportunity to close the ground, don't they? What really stood out for you? You can have your pick of the first match to talk about here, really, in the National League North. I think it has to be the team involving or the game involving uh, the top side, Tamworth. Uh, they were away to South Shields and uh, with the, the points that South Shields picked up from 1-0 win, that ended up being the game between the sides that were first and second at the end of the day's play. It wasn't exactly like that at the start, but uh, I think that's Tamworth's second defeat on the bounce as well after losing at Buxton in midweek. So um, a little bit of a blip there for uh, uh for the Lambs, but uh, yes, yeah, South Shields getting the victory there with a, a goal from Geordie Mongoy. Um, and they're up to second. And, you know, how many times have we said it about, you know, the momentum that promoted sides have, you know, South Shields and Tamworth sitting in first and second in the first week of November. Um, you know, it, it's a terrific carryover from their, from their promotions last season. It certainly is. And, you know, I've always thought of the National League North as a really, really tough division. So for two new sides to come in and lead the way at the top is quite remarkable. Spennymore Town and Boston United played out uh, a nil-nil draw at Spennymore. And in the East Anglia derby, Peterborough Sports and Kings Lynn met. Uh, they drew one all. Good to see Semby Ferris back at Peterborough Sports and scoring goals now. He... Uh, equalised Sibulski's 11th-minute penalty. And there was a cracking game between Rochelle Olympic and Southport. Uh, Dickie, tell us how that one went. Yeah, well, given how Rochelle Olympic have been performing in recent weeks, I'm sure they'll be disappointed uh, by the fact that they went down to a 3-2 home defeat to Southport. Um, uh, again, it's another one, given that Southport were on a, a poor run, I think, of three defeats on the bounce. I think Rochelle would have fancied their chances yesterday. Uh, Southport took the lead in the 21st minute through Marcus Carver. Tom Tonks equalised for Rochelle before half-time, but then Jack Bainbridge put Southport back into the lead. Danny Waldron, I think that's his seventh in four games for Rochelle levelled it at 2-2 after 73 minutes <clears throat> but Niall Watson, son of uh, Southport director and former manager Neil, uh, Liam Watson what am I saying? Apologies Liam um, Liam Watson scored in the 84th minute to take uh, the Sandgrounders back up the M6 with all three points Now looking at the uh, other side struggling away at the bottom of the National League North, there were mixed fortunes on Saturday but two sides who really have been struggling, uh, Bishop Stortford and uh, Darlington, both came up with wins on the day, Dickie. Yes, they did. And I think um, Bishop Stortford was, was probably the... the the most notable one, given that they they beat a Buxton side who, as I mentioned, did beat the league leaders Tamworth in midweek. A 3-1 win for Bishop Stortford is a tremendous result for them. And they, <clears throat> they really needed it because they, they'd hit a poor run of form 
I think they'd lost something like four or five on the bounce, possibly more. Um, they led through uh, Tosin Olafemi. Uh, they then got a, a second goal through Jack Thomas. A third game, third goal, sorry, came from Zane Walker. Um, and it was a, a late consolation for Buxton from Ewan McEwen in the 67th minute, which got them on the board, but didn't do enough to get them any points. Um, Darlington, massive win for them. Um, it might possibly be only something like their first or second league win of the season. Second, possibly. Um, they led at half-time um, with a goal from Cameron Salkeld in the first half. Will Hatfield, he returned to the club earlier this season, having been at AFC filed. He was uh, deemed to be surplus to requirements there. Went back to his previous club. He scored in the 49th minute. There was an ascending off in that game for <clears throat> O'Brien, a Fozzy Celtic, Connor O'Brien. He was dismissed for a second yellow card. They did get a goal back through another Connor, Connor Branson, in the 78th minute, but not enough for Farsley and Darlington again to part with a victory. There you go, listeners. There's uh, Dickie with a quickie on Ewan McEwan. <laughs> uh, one other game in fact you know, a couple of other games weren't there in the uh, National League North uh, Gloucester City were due to play Curzon that one was off because Curzon took on Barnet in the FA Cup however they did rearrange a game at home to Warrington who Dickie are another one of those sides that have come up to the National League North and they're flying aren't they 11th in the table but just a point outside the playoffs yeah, Warrington are certainly a competitive side. Um, it's been a rough week for Gloucester City. That they, they started the week, I think it was Monday that news broke that their their kit man um, had had a fire at his home, um, potentially while drying the kit that was started in his tumble dryer, and um, there was damage done to his house. His mother ended up in hospital, so we touch wood and hope that she's okay. Um, and one of the unfortunate things with this is that all Gloucester's kit was lost. Um, they've had a number of clubs that have stepped in and helped them out with additional kit. As I say, they rearranged this fixture as well. So um, I don't know at the end of it, they might be wondering whether they might not have been better off to, to take the blank Saturday. Uh, they went a goal down to Connor Woods in the third minute. Josh Amis scored in the 25th to make it 2-0 to Warrington by half-time. There was a goal back for Gloucester in the second half through Ben Beresford, um, but Amis added his second of the game and Warrington's third in the 68th minute to make it safe. Good stuff, Dickie, and uh, I was totally wrong. That was the final game in the National League North. Uh, thank you for your insight, as always, Dickie. Uh, and now we're going to get some more insight from our off-the-line blog expert, Joe Pope. Uh, Joe, turning our attentions to the National League South, with Yeovil involved in FA Cup action, Avely, who sat second, took full advantage with a home win against Western Supermare. Tell us about that and tell us who Avely have brought in on loan. Yeah, um, so Avely... Uh... Ended up winning uh, 2-0 uh, yesterday against Western Supermare. They did lose uh, striker Matt Rush in the week. Uh, he departed and has subsequently joined Maidstone United, uh, fellow National League South side. And they've brought in uh, a striker, you can't miss him, uh, given the size of him, uh, Sidney Eby from uh, Dagenham and Redbridge. Um, so I think he's something like six foot nine, six foot ten. Um, really good prospect from that they uh, brought him from lower league, and he capped his debut with a goal 
making it 1-0 five minutes before uh, half-time. And then they got a second in the second half through Edwino Vaz. Uh, he rounded off the scoring. And, uh, yeah, good three points for them, given that they've they've lost quite a few players uh, this this week. Uh, Rashru and uh, Benton last week in the Sengo uh, as well. Uh, so, yeah, good, uh, good for them to get back to winning ways. Great to see. Uh, the good work continuing at Avery, and I think in Sydney Ivy they've got quite uh, a loan signing there. Um, now I had to look twice at the National League South table because I know they've been in good form, and we had their photographer on last week, a former regular on the uh, NL full time, Tom Lang. But Hampton and Richmond Joe won again, admittedly one nil away to form Dover, but they're up to third place in the table. Yeah, um, it's mental what happens in the, in this league when you put a run of games together. It, was only, it only seemed like uh, a month or so ago now where we were talking about potentially Hampton and Richmond sacking their manager after a really, really poor start. And yet they continue to grind out wins um, and they got another one uh, on Saturday and it was uh, uh, Jake Gray that scored the only goal of the game for Hampton. It's anything but Gray at Hampton and Richmond at the moment. It's all looking rather rosy. Uh, they did end the game with 10 men uh, as they had uh, Dean Inman sent off uh, in stoppage time for them, but they managed to still keep their clean sheet. And uh, yeah, you know, you've got to hand it to uh, Mel Gwinnett. Um, difficult start, but they've turned it around and uh, it looks as if people are playing for second place and third place as it seems Jovel are sort of the, the runaway leaders and uh, Hampton are certainly doing their best audition for that. They certainly are. Jovel have at the moment just a three-point lead, but they do, of course, have a game in hand now. Well, that leads us on perfectly, really, to the sides in fourth place and fifth place. And uh, one of those sides, Bath, were in second place uh, at the outset of the day. But, Joe, shock. Torquay in one nil home win against higher placed side in the league. Tell us more. Yeah, well, it, it certainly wasn't a game for the neutral. Um, Bowl accounts a pretty poor game uh, in wretched conditions, uh, certainly in the first half with the rain swirling in. But yeah, it was Torquay. Um, they had to give her a, a good response after their defeat to Hampton and Richmond uh, last week. Uh, and they did so uh, by virtue of a really good finish from Sean Donnellan fortuitous finish, albeit, uh, bringing the ball out from defence and giving it a, a whack from 40-odd yards and it took a couple of deflections and and looped over uh, goalkeeper Will Boost, who's on loan from Yeovil Town. Um, and yeah, a really good win for Torquay. Obviously, Bath um, were sitting in second uh, before the weekend um, and Torquay were in uh, 12th, I think, uh, after before before Saturday, so um, yeah, a much needed win for them, and especially given that on Tuesday night uh, it's a matchup of the two teams that were fancied to go and be uh, promotion contenders uh, this season in Yeovil and Torquay. So that one on Tuesday night at Playmore. Will you be at that one, Joe, or is that too difficult to get to in the week? 
Um, I will. Um, I've come home for the weekend to uh, to watch Yeovil v Torquay on Tuesday night. So uh, I don't know which uh, which camp I want to have an allegiance in uh, on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, but uh, yeah, it should be a, a real cracker. A um, couple of little subplots in that one. Obviously, Frank Newbell was at Torquay last season, now up front for uh, for Yeovil Town. So it uh, should be a, a good one. Um, and certainly a positive step in the right direction for Torquay. Uh, a couple of new signings got in the team uh, on the on the weekend. Uh, two from Fleetwood, Callum Dolan, who made his debut at Hampton, and a goal for um, uh, sorry appearance for for Theo Williams as well, striker, um, and our new goalkeeper from Sutton United. Who, given his last name, I'm just going to refer to him as Philip. Uh, because Mark Housestead is out injured for Torquay. Uh, so Reese Lovett made a, a good start on his uh, re- recall to the side. Good stuff, Joe. Four other games in the National League South. I'm going to put them into two categories of two. The first two ended one all. Weymouth one, Welling one. Uh, two sides at the uh, lower end of the table there. Welling have really been out of form, so they might see that as a good point on the road. And the other game also ended one all between Tunbridge Angels and Chelmsford, who were both placed much higher up at the table. And just briefly on this one, Joe, uh, interesting stuff in terms of, you know, the, the finer detail behind this one all draw. Uh, one was the scorer of the Tunbridge Angels goal and the other was what happened in the 14th minute. Yeah, so Tunbridge um, took the lead in that one. Uh, Wagstaff, obviously, he's been around the houses uh a long time now in football. He got uh, a goal for them. Still a wily old player in this division. Uh, Swift was actually then sent off for Tombridge Angels after a quarter of an hour. Um, and Chelmsford managed to take advantage of that, uh, equalising through former AFC Wimbledon defender Luke Jenkins. Uh, for Chelmsford, they continue to find it difficult to put together wins. Um, they are struggling this season under Robbie Simpson uh, compared to what we saw last season. Uh, Tombridge obviously improved of late. Um, but yeah, a, a decent point for Tombridge given that they had uh, 10 men at home. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the other game that we mentioned, uh, Weymouth and Welling, a useful point for Welling, but still the sort of game where you feel that both teams should have uh, seen that one as a, a game that they could win. Um, given that they're both down near the bottom. Absolutely. Uh, Braintree uh, find themselves four points off the playoffs after a comfortable and healthy 4-1 win against struggling Haven and Waterlooville. And uh, one for our producer here, Luke Edwards. Uh, four different goal scorers for Braintree. Take a bow, Davies, Coulthurst, Blair and Lamb. Rosari with the late, uh, sorry, Busari with the late consolation for Haven and Waterlooville. And then finally, Joe, in the National League South, Chippenham and Eastbourne Borough. Six goals were scored in the game. How did that one pan out? Yeah, um, a topsy-turvy game, uh, but it was Chippenham that ran out the winners in that one. Uh, Eastbourne actually took the lead uh, after 21 minutes through Holman before uh, two or three goals, in fact, from Chippenham turned the game around two for Kane Bradbury uh, and then a goal from uh, Matt McClure, uh, someone that's uh, regularly on the score sheet at this level. He got a goal from the spot. Um, Eastbourne did manage to pull a goal back to make it 3-2 through midfielder Leon Gravita. Um, really good player before Chippenham managed to make sure of all three points through Craig Fazenmader uh, in the 93rd minute. So, uh, yeah, a really good win for Chippenham against an Eastbourne side that continue to struggle under Mark Beard.
Brilliant roundup as always. Thank you very much, Dickie and Joe. Thank you very much uh, as ever, chaps. And thank you very much, listeners. We hope you've enjoyed our, our podcast this week. If you did, by all means, subscribe to it. So it'll be sent straight to your inbox at whatever time in the middle of the night Luke finishes the edit and gets it out there. Luke, thank you very much indeed for producing in the background as always. And uh, let's end the way we always do. Play the theme tune.